CBDC is the only bank dedicated exclusively to entrepreneurs. That's why we're proud to support women entrepreneurs with the Thrive Podcast, providing startup women with the support and resources they need to start and grow their business. An award-winning entrepreneur, one of Canada's most powerful women, and Startup Canada's ambassador for women entrepreneurs. This is your host, Janice McDonald, for the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. Listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. On this show, we connect you with leading innovators, change makers, and organizations helping women to own it in entrepreneurship. The Thrive Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community and voice for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada, the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. I'm your host, Janice McDonald, president of the Beacon Agency and Startup Canada's ambassador for women entrepreneurs. We are thrilled to have Dr. Suhaya Abu Hakima, CEO Amika Mobile, on the show today. Sue is a serial entrepreneur, inventor, and innovator with more than 30 international patents. These patents have been recognized by more than 40 companies, including Google, Apple, Facebook, and Microsoft, as pioneering in their industries. Her current venture, Amika Mobile, focuses on public safety and security, specifically situational awareness, communication, and control. As CEO, Sue has created hundreds of high-value jobs in AI software, security, business, sales, and operations. Under her leadership, Amika Mobile has also won more than 21 awards. Sue has received the Order of Ontario, the Queen's Jubilee Medal for Service to Canada, and has been named as a Top 25 Women of Influence and a Top 100 Woman in Canada, Top Most Powerful, by the Women's Executive network. Welcome to the show, Sue. Thanks. We have lots we're going to talk about, but why don't we start with what's the key message you hope our listeners take away from our conversation today? I think it's important uh, for the listeners to really take away the message of making sure that they're being brave and that they take risks and they do it on a daily basis. And what does being brave and taking risks mean and look like to you? I think essentially as an entrepreneur now for 17 years, if I look back and think about um, what are some of the things that drove me to where I am today, um, it really Mm -hmm. is that. It's always pushing yourself and stretching yourself out of your comfort zone and making sure you take those big risks because literally, I mean, it's cliche, but no risk, no reward. Mm -hmm. 
And do you have like tips or tricks that you use because uh, you're a pioneer and you're brave every day? So is there any advice you could offer to women entrepreneurs on, you know, try this, this is, this works for me? Well, it's interesting. So it depends in what area. So, you know, let's take technology for a second. So myself, I'm Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. I'm a tech entrepreneur. I'm a woman tech Mm -hmm. entrepreneur who is a visible minority. So that's interesting. So Mm -hmm. I've, I've, you know, met the challenge of diversity without any problems there. Um, One of the things... You're checking off a lot of boxes. I know. One of the things that's interesting about uh, being a woman in tech is there are very few of us, far too few of us, and uh, far too few co-founders, CEOs, I would say. And so my job and what I've tried to do throughout my career since graduating in engineering at McGill way back when is to really try and get kids to understand whether they're girls or boys that being in tech and being in STEM is a great career. And it's something that they can do essentially all their lives like I have and then stretch themselves further and further as they go forward and be innovative and always think outside the box. Mm-hmm. But is there something, you know, do you have a mantra that you say or are there people that you turn to when you need to? Like what's what, if anything, keeps Sue being brave and taking so risks? I've always worked with the most fantastic teams. So I do have a wonderful support network. So obviously um, I, I'm married. I have a family. I have a, a couple of kids, boy and a girl. They're both in STEM. I'm very proud of them. Um But I think it's important to always realize that you know, you have to have a really good, solid team around you. So no, again, cliche, no man is an island. No woman is an island for that matter. It's very important to make sure that you surround yourself with the best minds and then to treat everybody really well, not to sit there and sort of build up hierarchies and uh, cut people out, etc. So I will treat the most junior of people in our companies as well as I would treat the most senior of people. There's a, a certain amount of respect that is required no matter what your um, ethnicity, what your gender is, what your age is or level of experience is. So that I demand of everybody in my team. I'm actually really excited this time around, because Amica Mobile, I've finally hit the 50-50, where I have 50% female and 50% male. And that's by no... Congratulations. Actually, by no stretch of the imagination yeah. is that easy, especially in tech. So I've managed to hire right. women in tech that are doing software design and network support and and support for customers that are, that are technical, right? And on the business side. So I think... If there is a will, there is a way to to push forward. So when I get overwhelmed, I have to say, I mean, it happens to all of us. Um, so I'm I'm very um, I'm very athletic, so very sporty. I swim. I try and do a kilometer every second day. I try and walk every second day as well. And I think it's really really mm-hmm. important to. Um, when I'm on these walks or when I'm swimming, et cetera, I typically tend to, to problem solve. So when I'm walking, I enjoy nature and I problem solve. Um, so I think it's really mm-hmm. important for people that are driven, um, you know, type A plus personalities like ourselves to make sure that we somehow mm-hmm. try and find a balance between family, 
uh, making sure that you really are on a marathon. When you're an entrepreneur, you're running all the time. So you are on a marathon. So to survive this marathon, you have to think of ways to try and bring balance to your life. So there's a lot of stuff going on with business all the time with the customers, with finance, with the, the products, etc. And it really does get overwhelming. And it's very, very important to pull back and try and find the balance and, and give yourself a little bit of a break sometimes. And then also celebrate your successes with your teams, right? So one of the things that mm-hmm. I learned in my first startup is the importance of that, in that when you're on this marathon and you're continuously running and running and running, it's very important to once in a while stop and celebrate you know, various milestones, whether it's a new customer, it's an award, whether it's even something as simple as somebody's birthday, right? So <laughs> when, yeah. People, when yeah, to stop exactly and pause. when people work in my mm-hmm. company, it's really funny. They say, Oh, we haven't had this much fuss made about us since we were little kids on our birthdays. But that's you know, <laughs> that's part of it all, is is part of the team culture is to really try and work as a team and pull together. Because you're gonna be going, especially as an entrepreneur through the highest of highs, so you're going to be on this roller coaster and the lowest of lows. So you better figure out a way to try and and get some sort of balance together to, to support people. Some pretty inspiring words we heard about the importance of self-care and understanding that stress management and staying healthy is going to help you make better decisions. Because as you said, you're whether you're in nature or swimming laps in the pool, you're solving your problems, but you're also, you know, taking care of yourself. I think that's wonderful. The idea of treating everybody with respect also makes sure that everybody feels like they truly can contribute because their voice will be heard. And, you know, you've been involved in Canada's entrepreneurship community as a champion and advocate for women women, your entire 17 years as an entrepreneur. Can you tell us about your work and for our listeners, how they can raise their voices and be advocates too? I mean, here you are with your 50-50, which we know is intentional. This this didn't just happen. No, it took a while. 17 years. I mean, Mm -hmm. think of it, Janice. I started... As an yeah. entrepreneur 17 years ago, and it took this long. So that that's really ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But anyways. But but you did, did it. And that's the I bigger did. cause for celebration. And that's a reminder, too, to people. Like, you know, if you are intentional about it and you track those numbers, uh, the talent is there. Exactly. You just may have to be creative about how. But equally, Sue, I think, and, you, you know, you just you talked about the culture that you've created. It's also a place where, you know, we, we hear about the leaky pipeline. You're not going to lose no. those women because you've created an environment that they want to contribute and be a yeah, part of. And, and it's very exciting to me, you know, in my startups, I never lose my software people. They All my technical people, when they start working for, a, for us or with us, they stay until we exit. It's really very, very exciting. We keep them involved in the company. Um, I do have things like I'll, I allow them to buy into the company. So that's something that I think helps build loyalty if you're an entrepreneur. I do have advisors and we do have a board of directors. So I do have mentors that I go out to, but not just the ones on my boards. I go out to, you know, people like yourself, Janice, and others uh, that are in our community that that essentially um, I reach out to. And I have to say the reason that I am so active as an advocate, and it's a real compliment to be called mm-hmm. an advocate and uh, somebody who really, really is passionate about seeing much, many more of these, um, mm-hmm. you know, young people coming out through STEM, I think it's it's important mm-hmm. to give back to your community. I feel I've been so, so blessed and I've had so much 
success within the community that I continue to contribute. You know, we've, we've managed to generate millions of dollars with respect to our community, and we will continue to do that. I hire right out of school, mm-hmm. and I can tell you, even when I get the college and the university graduates, even though they've spent a number of years becoming graduates, they're still not job ready. And so it takes me a good year to two um, to, to get mm-hmm. them to the point where they can contribute um, to the team in a way that's equal to the other ones. But, you know, it's important for people to recognize those are the opportunities that I was given when I started out when I was 21, when I came out of McGill. So I'm giving right. back the same way that I've gotten and I've been rewarded throughout my career. And I think it's important more more CEOs do what I do, which get engaged in the in the you know in places like Startup Canada, which I think are phenomenal, and they're helping you know well over a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand companies across this country, or even more. Um, it's so important to to when you have that experience, you know, take some time out to share it and to try and make things better. And you know, when I get called in front of these parliamentary committees to be a witness with respect to procurement from SMEs, it's extremely important for me to share that experience and to get these people to understand in government what are the scars that we bear from the decisions that they make and how to open it up to small business and women and visible minorities and what they can do better and to compliment them on some of their amazing programs. Like there's been some government programs that have been really, really uh, amazing hits for us and, and for other people in tech like BCIP, IRAP, some of the ones like that and SRDs, but other mm-hmm. ones have been like, you know, I'm not going to name them, but they're dogs. And <laughs> I'm happy for people if they want to email me, I'll let them know. But, you know, there's been some programs that the government, I don't know where they come up with these ideas that are just awful, right? And so, you know, I <laughs> yeah. try and give the benefit of my experience and my scars. Uh, to others. And I get countless invitations for lessons learned, whether it's about entrepreneurship or diversity or tech or AI or any of that stuff. I think it's really, really important to give back to the community. And that's why I do it. And well, you do on a daily basis, you raise your voice and you advocate for others. So for our listeners, how can they find their voice and how can, what are the ways that they can raise their voices so that they're heard too and following your extraordinary path? The things that, you know, I know Janice, you know, the story a little bit um, that I'll, I'll mention to the listeners is that, you know, recently here in, in the city of Ottawa, uh, they hired a new CEO for Invest Ottawa. And one of my female executive colleagues wanted to apply for the position. And she said, will you mentor me through this process? And I said, well, I'd love to. You know, this is one of the examples that I gave back. When she came to me and said to me, the committee, and I said, who's the committee? That was my first question. And it was essentially all uh, one gender. So it was all male. Um, I pretty much hit the ceiling and I've never done this before, but this is this is where it's important for women to make your voices heard. And I wrote to the mayor and the mayor is the chair of the Invest Ottawa group. Within days, he fixed that. And it was more of a 50-50 balanced group. And, you know, he said to me and I'm, you know, we can give him this this break on this, that it was an oversight. But to me, it's important that if these issues that come up, you know, if you see a board of directors and advisors, especially a public body, whether it's with NRC or the IRAP, with BDC, with any of these organizations, and they don't—they have one woman out of ten, or 
uh, one woman out of you know six or seven people on a board of directors or advisors, you call them out on it. You say, listen, you know, uh, there's a lot of women out there. The WXN, as you know, Janice, has over 20,000 women executives now in Canada. So there's no longer an excuse. I can't find somebody to be on my board or can be involved. So what right. I do is I, I, you know, when I see the issue, I talk to um, the group and we sort of sometimes can huddle on it. There's a whole number of women executives that we're connected to. So networks are extremely mm-hmm. important. I recommend that highly to the listeners. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a woman executive, make sure you're networking, get into some of these organizations. Some of them are phenomenal and they'll help you. Uh, they'll provide mentorship for you or else they'll help you meet people in the network that can help you with your business or whatever it is, the strategy that you're trying to follow. And so that would be my recommendation. It's exciting. I think that's great because if you see something, you don't like how it looks, it's on exactly. you. Don't wait for someone else to do it and mobilize like you did with that exactly. example. You were you were the rallying cry that, that made the change. But it's also, I think, really, it's, it was such a perfect example because it reminds people that one person can make that change. You know, you, yes, you mobilized a team, you took steps and, but, you know, you started something that actually ended up with a better outcome and that's exactly. tremendous. Exactly, and one of the other things, Janice, that I want to mention is is certainly the report that uh, BMO had you and Claire do, Claire Backton, and mm-hmm. that was when it blew my mind to find out that eight out of ten women get turned down for money in banks. And I, honestly, as an entrepreneur for seventeen years and sixteen by then, I did not know this. I mean, mm-hmm. I had been turned down by venture mm-hmm. funds before, but I didn't realize. I always thought, well, maybe I'm aggressive. Maybe it's because I'm brown. Maybe you know, who knows? Maybe they don't like women engineers. Right. It's not that at all. It's the gender. <laughs> no. And that's really, that's, that's right. where things have to change. So now that we know this, right, it's a rallying cry, not just for me, but for all of the other men and women in my life. Because even the men tech CEOs can't believe those numbers. They're married or they have daughters and they have sisters, they have mothers. Mm-hmm. They cannot believe the inequity that's in this country. They're stunned that this is Canada. And so all of us are working together now and calling uh, this out to to try and get change. And I'm hoping that we will see change. But I think it'll it'll take a lot of us just repeating and repeating and repeating until the change comes. And I think that'll happen. Well, in you. Yeah, and it has to because we're going to keep at it. But in your bio, you call yourself a rare woman in tech. What do you wish you knew when you were starting your career in tech that you now know? Well, it'll make you laugh, but my ambition, um, when I look back at, you know, when you come out of, uh, at the time when I came out of McGill Engineering, we had to fill in this form that said to prospective employers what we wanted to do in life. And in mine, I had it as a goal statement that I'd like to build robots someday. And I thought that I would become maybe someday an engineering manager. That was the extent of my ambition, right? And so here I am, you know, I've done two startups, raised millions, (laughs) worked with all sorts of executives. So very different world. Now I did do a master's and PhD in AI and I have worked in AI for a while. So I'm not quite the robot body, but you know, maybe the mind (laughs) of the robot. But I would say that, the thing that I didn't realize when I first started when I was 21 versus today mm-hmm. is, you know, that 
I knew that you had to, to take risks and I knew that you had mm-hmm. to fight through things. Because, I mean, quite frankly, when you come from the Middle East where, you know, my parents came to Canada as immigrants um, and they were professors at McGill. And, you know, so I came in a, in a very good way, if you will. We weren't refugees. But yes. if you come from a war zone, which I did, and you, you know, our house was bombed when I was young, et cetera, it's, it's quite stunning. It's a very different perspective when you look at your life in Canada. So I'm always very grateful for this country and the opportunity that it's provided me. But I would say that the lesson that I I learned um, is never Mm -hmm. to be afraid to ask the question uh, and never never to be afraid to to look stupid. So really, I'm still the one that's asking a lot of questions no matter, you know, I tell people the more I know, the less I know, right? Because essentially, Mm -hmm. if you look at how much you know, even with your experience, you need to be aware enough that there's still a lot you don't know. And so from that perspective, that whole uh, learning and the love of learning, which continues with me, is really important. So that would be one thing I tell my younger self is don't be afraid to, you know, reach out. And uh, as I said, the extent of my ambition was to be a manager, an engineering manager. But um, Mm -hmm. when I say a rare woman in tech, I would have to say that the answer to that question is, there's not a lot of women that have um, that are co-founder CEOs in tech, and I would like to see so many more that have traveled the path that I have. And so, what I like is the fact that I've I have broken down barriers. You know, just like my mom before me, she got her PhD in London University when she was, you know, in 1954. Whoever heard of that for women, right? But um, that's a yeah. trailblazer. <laughs> so I think when you grow up <laughs> with that sort of in that sort of an environment, and by the way, she had six kids. When you grow up in that sort of environment, you think, well, you know, I should be able to really climb those mountains. And I would like to see a lot more women in tech. So when I say rare, it just, there really is such a low number. It's, I think it's like less than 5% of all uh, women are, are in positions like this. And I'd like to see even go up like to 10% or something like that. And that's why I've been working hard throughout my career uh, for a good 25, 30 years now to try and increase the numbers. And I'm hoping eventually we're going to start seeing that. As a rare woman in tech, do you, um, do you feel a burden being the role model or is it um, well, it's inspiring yeah. or something in between? Well, Janice, you know? what I've done is kind of cool is that, you know, you know, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb because you go into a room <laughs> and you're one woman of 50, yeah. you go to a trade show. We were just at a trade show downtown and with, with a couple of the young women from our office there too. And they said, you know, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's no women here. And we counted, there were six women in a group of about a hundred men. Right. Um, And so that's typical in tech and in security, it's even more typical. Right. Because I'm in security. So I think what you do is you use it um, and you use it respectfully. Right. You use it to stand out. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. And so, you know, even though it's embarrassing, whenever people meet me at these events and, you know, obviously many, many, many men in tech, uh, mm-hmm. they always remember us. They always remember our company. They remember what we do. And I have to say, I only learned later and probably in my second startup. So in this one here at Amica Mobile, that I can essentially reach out to any of these people over LinkedIn. So don't be afraid to reach out to people. It would be another lesson that I would tell others in, in terms of LinkedIn is a great medium for that and reach out to them. And they will call you back. 
back, even if the answer is no or it's not what you want to hear, they will follow up and they will call back. So on one side, if you're a rare woman in tech, you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. That's, you know, maybe, I don't know if that's bad news, but anyways, you can turn it into good news in terms of they'll always remember you and you will progress and do well, even though you're a rare woman in tech. That would be my comment. And I think that idea where we started, which was around being brave and taking risks, you know, when we think, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? And you've just said, you know, okay, so they say no, or they don't call you back. Well, but the upside is they might say yes, and they might call you back. And it could be the start of something really exciting. So what are some of the greatest challenges that you've faced as a woman in tech beyond being the only person, you know, the only woman in the room, usually that rare woman in tech? And have you had any specific strategies that you've used to overcome some of these challenges? Well, one of the, the ones that your listeners are going to laugh about is that I, I was in a Team Canada mission to go to Japan uh, in 2000, right? And having had a company, okay. um, you know, my first company was completely 100% focused on AI content analysis and so on uh, they said well you really should come with us to Japan so on the plane I went with a whole bunch of other male CEOs from Canada um, to Japan and I was asked to give a talk mm-hmm. at um, one of their large large telecoms um, and so I was a bit concerned because I knew how sexist um, you know it would be in terms of presenting to them and I, I really did want them to listen to us and to our ideas in terms of automatic summarization to mobile phones. Imagine 17 years ago, we were doing stuff like that. And so what I did as a strategy is I had my VP of BizDev, who's a guy, stand next to me Mm -hmm. while I did my presentation. But what was interesting, and I did get a lot of questions, was, you know, maybe for the first couple of seconds when they think of, oh, it's a woman, she must not know anything. And then when you start talking about AI and you start talking about the what you've done, which to them is amazing, that, you know, that business about what your gender is goes away. And they then realize, oh, this person does have a brain. They have good things to say, so I'm going to listen. So that's one strategy that I use. And and I think as much as possible to have balanced teams. So if I go into meetings that I know, um, whether it's, you know, as we do more and more business with other countries in the world, um, being a woman may be viewed as a disadvantage because they don't have the same level of respect for them as, as they should, then potentially, you know, I'll have other people from my team and we'll have a more uh, gender balanced group of people going into the meeting and you know and I've seen it I've even seen it in Canada where I go into a meeting uh, with my CTO Mm -hmm. who's a male and they will address my CTO Mm -hmm. and not address me because they're more comfortable with talking to him but at the end of the day you know you're trying to bring educate people on your great products and technologies and security and at the same time make them comfortable that eventually you know where I'm going here is eventually they'll think it's okay to have a woman at the head of this company they really do amazing stuff right so that's that's really an interesting kind of um, thing to have to surmount 
And speaking of an amazing company, why don't you tell us about Amica Mobile and what it does? Yeah, so what we do is kind of cool. So what we've invented in this company, and you mentioned our patents at the beginning, this company also holds um, 15 patents now, of which nine have been granted in Canada and the United States. And so we have unique technology that can automatically discover mobile devices in public places. So let's say you're at an airport, you're at a stadium, a football stadium, you're at a hospital, you're in a building at a visitor center or something like that and all hell breaks loose. Typically, all of our competitors have to have your email address and phone number on your mobile phone to be able to to lead you to safety. Well, that's not going to happen in an airport as you're running through to get your flight and all hell breaks loose. So what we have is capability that automatically discovers the devices and then could lead you to safety through those location-based alerts. So we're working with some really top flight uh, U.S. sports teams now in the stadium side. We're working with uh, top Canadian government types like CDSA and the RCMP and so on. The other thing we can do is if there is a uh, an active shooter, so a gunshot goes off in your building or outside, we can instantly detect that and do an automatic lockdown and, and again alert people on their phones, play it over on the overhead, or just do a silent alarm to everybody that you know something bad's going on. So that kind of stuff is kind of cool, and we've saved a lot of lives. So that that's been a very satisfying result uh, for our team in this company is that you know we know we've saved lives so that's that's pretty cool that's what we do that's amazing and for people who want to learn more about amica mobile um, how do they, they can do just so? go to www.amicamobile.com um, or they can google us can you spell it sure. out yeah so spell it out yeah. amica so a-m-i-k-a um, mobile the word mobile m-o-b-i-l-e and they can Google that. We show up pretty high up on Google. Um, and they can contact us through just sending an email to contact at mobile.com And uh, we'll follow up with them, right? So, or they Fabulous. can go to Startup Canada and, and send you guys an email, and I'm sure you'll root it. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll happily connect you. You betcha. So what's your advice for our listeners to become strong business and tech leaders? What are the skills and qualities that we need to have to be able to own it in these fields? Again, what more? We know we have to be brave. We know we have to take risks. But, you know, what what are what are some additional things that you'd so like to you see? Wanna be, um, you want to know your your uh, prepare yourself before you go into these meetings. Right. It's important to always if you're going into a customer meeting, Google them, take a minute to Google them, understand what their business is all about. Uh, use examples that they would be familiar with if they're a hospital um, or use their names in the meeting. So, you know, Mike has a good idea. You say, well, I'm going to build up on Mike's idea. You know, that kind of thing is is really build a rapport with the people that you're talking to and the customers that you're working with. Um, I think if you're shy, so if you don't like public speaking or you're not great at presentations, there's a lot of uh, organizations that help. There's, you know, Toastmasters, there's all sorts of uh, tools out there that you could try. And one of the things that you could do, and I do this sometimes when I have a, a speech or presentation that's difficult to do, I'll prepare it and then I'll close the door and I'll tell it to my in the mirror I'll repeat it to myself until I know it well enough and um, you know then I can actually feel better prepared when I go present I write it down a little bit or write down my speaking notes so that's very helpful and you know listen you also really want to listen in some of these meetings or some of these events. And and even if um, what they're saying is, is you know, I'd be polite garbage, 
And you really want to jump up and say, well, that's ridiculous. Maybe they're saying something terrible about women or, or something like that. What you want to do is listen. And, and one of the things that I've learned, I've been active on boards of directors now for 29 years. One of the things that I've learned from being on boards is that I've had some incredible mentors on some of these boards where I've learned that you have to sit there and listen quietly. Like one of the uh, people that was on a board with me at one point was the former governor general. Um, and so, you know, David Johnson. And what's amazing about him is if he's on a board, he will sit there, he'll be the quietest guy in the room, and he will listen. And then when he does say anything, it's nuggets of gold. And so those those things I think I've taken with me to some of my meetings, some of my you know customer uh, situations. And the other thing that's important is to fail faster. So you know this is cliche. You've heard it before. Terry Matthews says it. Other people yeah, say it. But but tell us tell us how you so mean what it. So what I what I say is when when you when you make a mistake, and a mistake could be in anything. It could be you know you've submitted the wrong form. It could be that you. Uh, told a customer something that you shouldn't have told them because you made a mistake or you assumed something about a, uh, a business deal that, that's gone south or an investor, um, you know, asked you a question that you were surprised with and you sort of took a, a certain tone or attack with them. What you got to do is realize that you've made that mistake. And when you make mm-hmm. that mistake, it's important for you not to sit there. And women are, are, you know, a little bit bad for this in that we tend to beat ourselves up about every little mistake that we make and we try and analyze it too much. It's better to just take a step back and say, okay, that was a mistake or a bad hire. Like I've had a situation where I hired an individual that by the third week of work, he decided he should be taking a day off a week and he hadn't even passed his probationary period. So we had to let him go. And so from that perspective, I looked at that hire as, you know, we made a, we made the wrong call there, even though we had checked his references mm-hmm. and all that, we still make mistakes. So from that perspective, you know, it's important to know that because you're taking risks and you're doing things that you haven't done before, you will be making mistakes and you will have to go back and fix them. So perfection is something that I think I learned uh, while I was working on my master's thesis is impossible because I would have never finished that. And so it's important to realize that as much as we want to be perfect on every single thing that we do, sometimes we can't and we will make mistakes and it's okay to make a mistake. So make it, you know, own it and then move on. And that would be advice that I would give there. This is tremendous, amazing insights from a highly skilled and very successful entrepreneur, tech entrepreneur, but just entrepreneur. Uh, we've been speaking with Dr. Sue Abu Hakima. She's the co-founder and CEO of Amika Mobile Corporation. And she has, uh, as she mentioned, more than patent, more than 30 international patents and um you're just, you're a dazzling, a very accomplished person. It's been really wonderful to have you on the show today, Sue. Is there any last bit of advice that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap I, up? I would say don't be afraid and just go for it. Just go for it. Worst you can do is fall down, you just get up and you go for it. Make this life count. Wise words. <laughs> Wise words from a remarkable, award-winning, and very uh, filled with accolade uh, career, Dr. Sue Abu Hakima. Thank you so much for being on the Thrive Podcast today with Thanks, us. Thanks, Janice. It was awesome talking to you as well. 
Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to find resources designed to support thriving women-owned businesses across Canada. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada Podcast, hosted by Rivers Corbett. And to learn about the latest startup community news and events, like our popular startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, I'm Janice McDonald, leaving you now with a sneak peek of our next episode. This is Heather Galt from Communitech, and you're listening to the Thrive Podcast with Janice McDonald. Can't do it by yourself. Such great advice. I do hear a lot from women entrepreneurs across the country that sometimes they don't even know what resources are available to them. And I guess that's, you know, the important work that Communitech does. So do you want to just kind of give us a, an overview of how Communitech supports women entrepreneurs? Absolutely. And, and I think I'll take it a little bit broader. I will talk about um, entrepreneurship especially, but um, I also want to take it a little bit broader because I know that um, women in tech companies in general also face challenges. And so as part of building our entrepreneur community, we also look to support uh, women who work in technical roles, but also in technical Mm -hmm. companies. So some of the programs that we have, uh, if we talk specifically about entrepreneurship, our Fierce Founders program is our flagship. And we have two different components to the Fierce Founders program. For earlier stage companies that are finding their way and and getting going, they have an idea, they may have um, some early stage customers and an early product. Um, but they're still finding their feet. And for them, our six-day boot camp that you referenced at the beginning of the podcast um, is a great place to start. So in those six days, they come in to a group of about 25 other um, entrepreneurs, all female entrepreneurs. And... Um, They'll spend those six days going through some intensive workshops on things like how to validate whether the problem you're solving is relevant to the customers you think it's relevant for, um, how to approach those early customers and, and uh, you know, how to talk about what you're doing in a way that your customers can relate to. We help you with things like figuring out the basics of business, things like setting up your books, setting up your IP protection, um, all those sort of things you need to know in the early stages to make sure you can be successful in the long term. We also talk in the boot camp about some of the softer skills. So how to lead a team, how to have those hard conversations that you're going to have multiple times as a CEO as your company starts to grow and how to take care of yourself because we know that that entrepreneurial journey is exhausting and it's hard work. And so, you know, what what can you do as an entrepreneur and a leader to make sure that you don't burn out and that you are able to continue that journey in a healthy way for you? So it's a combination of of you know those really essential skills across the board that an entrepreneur needs to know. The other thing we spend time on during the boot camp is pitch practicing, uh, because at the end of the sixth day, there's a contest, a competition, um, where our eight top entrepreneurs um, pitch and compete for $100,000 in funding. Wow. So, yeah. So so we are um, actually kicking off our next boot camp in January, and we'll be opening applications probably in March for our May-June cohort. So definitely encourage our, uh, our entrepreneur listeners to, to keep an eye out for that application on the Communitech website. The other piece of our Fierce Founders program is our um, accelerator. 
And so we take in a much smaller number. It's six to seven companies. They're here in the building with us for six months. And during those six months, um, our entrepreneurs in the Fierce Founders Accelerator take their product, which is in market, and what they know about their early customers and the traction that they've already seen. And we help them accelerate that growth so that they get much faster to the point of scalable and repeatable sales with a scalable and repeatable product. Um, And so they get one-on-one weekly accountability, weekly coaching from experts in sales and marketing, in operations, in finance, in strategy. Um, and, uh, And they come out of that program after six months with a really solid footing from a customer point of view and also from, uh, as I said, from a, a market point of view. 